Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. Good to be with you another week. My name is Chris alongside Darren Crowell. Darren, it's been a really long time. What's what's shaking, man? It's been a few weeks. It's uh, it's finally cooled down in my house. Got my AC replaced. <laughs> That's kind of important nowadays. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't imagine you and your wife in that in that house without AC. It was horrible. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. But anyway, uh, <laughs> moving right along. Um, guys, before we get started, make sure to go follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Make sure to go like and subscribe us on the podcast. And today we've got a good friend of mine. We've got Dar- Daniel Stutt from NOAA. Daniel, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Hey, thanks, Chris and Darren, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. First things first, we were just talking about it, but have you been fishing lately? Yeah, I've been fishing. I uh, actually got to travel to Norway recently. Uh, caught my first Atlantic cod. Oh, Pollock, no big deal, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing. And then uh, had some some local trips earlier in this summer. Uh, got out to Catalina, did some rock fishing, bass fishing. My wife, that was pretty fun. Uh, got some tuna trips coming up. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that. Nice. Whereabouts? Uh, going out of the San Diego. Nice. Uh, three and a half day with. The Humboldt uh, Fish and Lumberjacks group of alumni and a bunch of fisheries biologists, NOAA guys on the boats, CDFW guys. So nice, bunch of fishy guys. So nice. Which boat? And something uh, Pacific Queen. Oh, that's a good. Wow. Yeah, you're one of the very one of the very lucky ones to get on that boat. Definitely. Are you your Humboldt alum? I I am not. I went to Long Beach State. Oh, okay. But uh, I know the charter master, and I was able to get a little in there on an open spot. (laughs) (laughs) Pays to know people. Yeah, that's all you need, man, just to know the right people. I like it. Well, very cool. Daniel, good to have you. Um, Before we get started on all of the important stuff on the fisheries and all that stuff, give us a little bit of background on yourself. What's the Daniel story? Yeah, so... uh, Grew up a uh, Seal Beach, local Southern California kid, uh, fishing, surfing. Uh, did uh, my Bachelor's of Science in Marine Biology from Long Beach State. So kind of stuck around and, and then started with NOAA right after that, NOAA Fisheries. I uh, was a contractor doing some of our, our permits for the uh, tuna fishery, uh, including charter vessels. You know, they have to get a, a permit from our office, submit logbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also doing our tuna import monitoring program and then Slowly from there, shifted over into more the fisheries management side, doing some of the regulations for the the tuna per seine boats, Mm -hmm. and then got this position as the recreational fisheries coordinator in uh, 2019. Nice. And then, of course, COVID hit shortly after that. (laughs) Great timing uh, there. Very good timing, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's been awesome getting out and meeting with all the the fishing community up and down the West Coast. So you kind of went from the commercial sector all to the recs and uh, I guess sector too. Uh-huh. How's that yeah. been, or how's the transition been? Yeah, not 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 bad, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I was on the the rec team. We have a rec team of you know we kind of uh, volunteer our time on the side of our, our other duties and get out there to engage with the uh, the recreational fishing community, going to sport fishing shows um, down here in Fred Hall, uh, you know Fred Hall Bart Hall shows. Uh, I, I was, was going to say, of, I saw you at all, all of those, too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out there uh, leading, leading that booth and uh, working with Owen Snodgrass out of the Southwest Fishery Science Center to staff up you know, our Del Mar show down there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty easy transition. Um, nice. Pretty thankful for that. Yeah. Very cool. Are, is it more so, like, are there bigger issues on the commercial side rather than smaller issues on the rec side, or is it kind of more or less the same? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe a little different. Yeah. Uh, 
And in this position, I'm focused on a lot of outreach and education. Mm. Most, and you know, we do like stakeholder workshops, really trying to bring the fishing community into what NOAA Fisheries does because, you know, primarily, like I think most people know we are focused on commercial fisheries, but mm-hmm. we also manage these fisheries for recreational purposes. Yeah. And some of that too, I know I hit you up probably a couple of years ago where uh, we were doing some kids trips and all that. You mm-hmm. got, gave it, I mean, you just basically shelled out all these materials for the kids. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We got educational materials. Uh, we, we fund some of those trips and I definitely try to get out and volunteer and and lend a hand wherever I can on those trips. So it's really great to see all the fishing organizations uh, supporting kids getting mm-hmm. out fishing, but also learning about the marine environment, how to be, you know, stewards of the ocean environment, how to, you know, properly fish, uh, fisheries uh, or species ID. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all the rockfish descending devices. Um, we'll probably touch on that a little bit more later. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been been pretty when it comes to like the kids trips and the outreach and all that stuff, how big of a priority is that for NOAA in general? Uh, I, I definitely think it's a big priority. Um, we have a national saltwater recreational fisheries policy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mouthful. Um, <laughs> Say that thing five times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're updating that, re, uh, updating it, and it should be rolled out actually in the revised policy pretty soon here, maybe in another month. And then we have these regional implementation plans. Uh, and as part of that, um, education and outreach is uh, a large component of that. And mm-hmm. so that would include supporting these kids fishing trips and, and veteran fishing trips and, you know, underserved communities, people that can't really access them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, we've made a point on the podcast plenty of times where, um, you know, not only the rec fleet, but also the sport boat fleet and all that stuff that's really been um, the main access point to the general public because that's far more affordable and people, you know, obviously have a good time and, and they catch fish on via the sport boat. Totally. Yeah. Easier access. You know, the captains are super knowledgeable putting mm-hmm. you on the fish. You have a uh, crew that are just phenomenal at helping people like tying knots, pulling mm-hmm. fish over, you know, untangling lines. I think that's a big one. <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we've got so much to get through, so let's uh, let's get to it. Let's start with the MRAP program. I know you, that's kind of a big priority for yourself. Tell us a little bit about it. Definitely, yeah. We want to encourage public participation in the fisheries management process, and uh, this MRAP program is, you know, really a key component of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think you maybe have participated in it, Chris, uh, a few years back. Yep. Um, so it's the Marine Resource Education Program. And it's uh, for fishermen by fishermen, and we we get uh, recreational anglers, uh, commercial fishermen, all in the same room, and we teach them about how the council process works, how uh, fisheries are assessed uh, at the stock level, you know, how we use the science, how we collect the data, uh, and really it allows them to yeah participate more effectively in in the council process, you know, know mm-hmm. where they can voice um, you know changes to. Uh, the fishing regulations, you know, when that comes up, uh, depends on the fishery, uh, ground fish, for example, we set them on like a two year basis, but you can come to the council. We have five council meetings each year, provide public comment that way. Uh, we then also do, uh, proposed and final rules for our fishing regulations. And so when there's a proposed rule, there's a comment period, often 30 mm-hmm. or 60 days, and the public can submit comments that way. And our agency mm-hmm. has to consider them and the development of these fishing regulations. So the so, program sort of teaches you all of that. And yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like, it's, I think it's like a week long or something like that too, where you just get to go learn about the whole process from yeah. start to finish. And I think last year it was in La Jolla, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, La Jolla. And I think they got one coming up in Santa Cruz as well. Okay. Yeah. It's gotcha. A, <laughs> well, it could be a semester college course condensed in one week. It's yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> no, you know who was a big deal at, at last year's MREP? It was Kevin. Nakata? Yeah, Kevin Nakata. Nice. Do, you, do you remember that? I, I didn't get to go to that one. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Kevin, from what I've heard, I didn't go, but from what I've heard on the MRAP deal, and Kevin could correct me if I'm wrong, but... I'm sure he will. Yeah. He was basically a force to be reckoned with at the entire week where he was asking so many questions <laughs> and just being not a stickler or a pain in the ass, but basically just being that guy who's asking questions, wants to really uh, sincerely um, understand the entire process and really just get get you know get full fledged into it and That's it was kevin. unbelievable yeah yeah exactly well yeah you and i both know kevin yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah the, i mean the mrep program if if you have an opportunity to go and actually be able to go sit there and just watch and learn and all that well worth your time well yeah. worth your time yeah. especially if, if you work in the fishing industry definitely yeah yeah, yeah and we get, we have some some uh fishing regulations coming up that i know will be of interest and you know, it was really driven by uh, public participation, and, and that's removal of the Calcod Conservation Area. Mm-hmm. So Calcod was officially rebuilt in, in 2019, and it's, um, you know, been this process to to get that designation removed, open up those areas to, to fishing. Oh, let me stop you there. Okay. On the Calcod deal, when it was built, I think it was like 70 years ahead of schedule or something. Mm-hmm. How big, was there any shockwaves sent throughout the, I mean, I guess the agency spectrum or anything like that about how fast a species can actually recover definitely yeah i think um you know seeing calcod and even yellow eye they're rebuilding way ahead of anticipated Mm -hmm. um you know originally proposed i think a hundred year rebuilding timeline and now it's um yellow eye is basically pretty close why why do you think that is like why are they being rebuilt so fast um these these older rockfish are really fecund Mm -hmm. um call them Ooh, big, nice work. big old fat females buff um mm-hmm. you know the larger the older they get the larger they get and the more babies they produce and so right. you know we really encourage you know if you're not going to keep them release them mm-hmm. uh, you can use descending devices um just last year at the the council we approved some updated uh depth dependent release mortality rates mm-hmm. and so for a species like copper rockfish when you release them if you're fishing under uh 100 100 fathoms, 600 feet, um, depends on, you know, the depth, but we, we calculate it out by, um, you know, zero to 60 feet, 60 to, uh, 180, mm-hmm. but you get, you get credits for those releases, uh, using a descending device. Those fish mm-hmm. are, are likely to recover, uh, for, for copper specifically, if you're fishing down to, uh, yeah, 600 feet, uh, survival rates about 62%. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty solid. And you get that credit back, you know, those fish are released alive when we count them. I mean, I know how effective they have been. I know you, you believe in descending devices, Darren, unless something's changed. Um, Nothing's changed. But I mean, they're really the science. You can't really argue with it to where, how effective descending devices are and how important it is to have one. 
Totally. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of our main messages, messages we try to promote. And we're thankful for, for guys like you, CCA and, and other organizations helping us get these descending devices into the hands of anglers and communicating that message with their, their effectiveness. So yeah. we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, going back to the cancel process and the MREP program and all that, um, you know, I, I, there's, I guess there's few people that really understand how the process works, how to really be effective in the process. Um, and when, what I mean by that is just basically participating in the council and the agency meetings and all that, mm-hmm. anywhere from PFMC all the way down to the state level on the Fishing Game Commission and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, and tell us a little bit about the whole process, how one, like either, I guess, just a simple reg change, for example. How does that work through the system and just to kind of give our listeners like a glimpse of how it works? Definitely, yeah. So um, regulatory changes are primarily driven by yeah the council process. So mm-hmm. um, you would take it up with the advisory bodies and the, the management teams. The advisory bodies consist of the recreational and commercial fishing uh, industry members. Um, you know, uh, you bring it to them. Say, hey, you know, I want to change this regulation. I want to fish out a little deeper. Maybe is that something that we can work with? The advisory bodies will discuss it say, hey, maybe that is a good idea. Let's make a recommendation to the council to consider it. Um, the management teams will analyze that potential change see how it might impact you know, catch rates, um, bycatch, or things like that, impacts the, the population, uh, whether it'll you know, still be fishing under like the quota. Uh, and then the council will take it up on the main council floor, make a recommendation, say, hey, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. NIMS, I want you to implement it. And so NIMS will then take that recommendation uh, write up a proposed rule. Uh, we publish the proposed rule, and that basically lists out the reasons yeah, why we're taking this action, um, changes to the specific regulations within the, the Code of Federal Regulations, uh, do a 30- or 60-day public comment period, the public provide additional feedback and testimony on how that might impact their you know, fishing opportunities or businesses, uh, and then we would implement it as a, a final rule, and that would become effective. And all that does not happen overnight. <laughs> does not happen overnight. He's, he's, yeah, you can imagine the council is taking up a lot of, uh, of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have five fisheries management plans on the West Coast. So our, our West Coast region is focused on uh, ground fish. So things like our rockfish and lingcod and sablefish, mm-hmm. uh, salmon. You know, that's a, a big issue up and down the West Coast. It's a huge one right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, drought and water conditions. And our agency right now is really focused on a lot of habitat restoration, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get some of that spawning habitat back. So uh, the, what was it, the Inflation Reduction Act uh, gave us a lot of funding to um, do these transformational habitat restoration projects. And we just rolled out uh, a huge grant opportunity for uh, people to apply and and really have an impact on these spawning stocks. So, mm-hmm. And how does one one apply? Uh, it's through grants.gov, but you okay. can find the information on you know our fisheries.noaa.gov. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, f- primarily all the federal grants go through grants.gov. Uh, and so just kind of like the thirty thousand foot view, where the agencies, primarily PFMC mm-hmm. and all that, that's all ran by NOAA. Uh, the federal agency, correct? So the Pacific Fishery Management Council is like a, I guess, like a separate entity. Right. Um, they it consists of uh, state representatives, uh, some federal representatives. Is it under NOAA, though? Um, I, yeah, I guess like 
maybe it would be considered under under NOAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, like you know, we take their recommendations, so they're kind of kind of separate. Okay, so uh, basically, when it comes to the PFMC specifically, we'll we'll just keep keep rolling on that ball. Um, agencies, organizations, NGOs like CCA and, and others and all that were constantly participating in those meetings, um, which happened, I think you said five times a year, six yeah. times a year, yeah, five times. Um, all up and down the coast. And PFMC specifically consists of not only California, but Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. and Idaho. Some Idaho, yeah. 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 So a um, whole lot of issues and a whole lot of yeah. Uh, things to discuss at every single meeting. It's li- literally, have you ever been to a PFMC? No, never. It's kind of, it's something fun to watch. I know, mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're coming to Southern California in the fall. Yep. Uh, Garden Grove in November. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I mean, encourage anyone to come. There's a bunch of seats in the back. You can mm-hmm. sit in, view the process. Like, uh, you can sit in on the advisory and bodies mm-hmm. and management team meetings. You know, it's kind of, it's low, low, low stress and you know <laughs> you get to to talk with people and see why things are like the way they are yeah yeah just grab some coffee and go sit in on, on a whole <laughs> bunch of meetings totally i know there's a there's a couple of cca reps on um on the committees as well uh, most notably mark relnick yeah. who's the chair um he's on our on our gr committee um and then Merritt mccray also is on the uh, on the ground fish advisory committee i believe as mm-hmm. well yeah um and others as well yeah. but um it's kind of it sounds really dry because mm-hmm. it kind of is, but if you really kind of are interested in regulations in how the process works and everything and how to participate, it's actually pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, it's fun. It's super interesting. And yeah, yeah. maybe I'm just like a policy <laughs> or regulation walk now, but they've converted me. Do you, but, uh, uh, do you go to all the meetings or just the ones here? Uh, I was for a little bit, but uh, yeah, uh, not anymore. I was on the groundfish management team for a little bit, but yeah, back to my primary role of. Mm-hmm. Have you get, Have you gone up and give testimony and give presentations to the council? I, I yeah read one of the one of our statements to the council. Yeah, so it is a little intimidating, but I think after the first time, yeah, 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 it's crazy. I mean, totally. for for someone who like feels, oh, I can do it, no yeah. problem, and all that, and then once you get up there in that seat, it's like. Oh crap! Everyone's <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think you know, in when it comes to the process, especially PFMC, Fishing Game Commission, and all that, it's super important. And we've consistently asked, um, you know, our members and our supporters and all that stuff, do you get involved? And if you're having trouble with getting involved or feel intimidated and all that, come talk to one of us. Come talk to Daniel. I mean, we're we're all kind of full fledged. Wayne more so than, than me, mm-hmm. but full-fledged in the process and, you know, are becoming really players in that whole conversation, in that room. Totally. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send out my email and phone number after this. Yeah, if you guys ever have any yeah. questions, give me a call. Yeah. I'm always happy to talk and for sure. talking fishing. <laughs> for sure. So let, let's move on to the collaborative portion here where, you know, we, we discussed a little bit about CCFRP mm-hmm. and the, um, the whole collaborative aspect. Tell us a little bit more a little bit more about um, what you're doing and all that to be kind of encouraging more collaboration between um, yourself, Noah, and then also uh, recreational fishermen. Definitely. Yeah. With, um, I mean, most folks are probably aware of the, the copper rock fish that went down to, to one, one fish. And um, yeah, we heard from the fishing community and in the stock assessments, we needed to do more. We needed some more uh, age data specifically. Mm-hmm. And so Melissa Monk at the Southwest Fishery Science Center has teamed up with 
uh, some of the Sport Fishing Association of California boats. Uh, we've got 19 uh, charter vessels now, and they are sending us the carcasses of, you know, fish that passengers caught. You know, they passengers take home their fillets, and then we get the carcasses. Mm-hmm. Um, crew members, uh, they they uh, measure them, you know, weigh them, length, get length data, send that to us as well. So we'll have that. And it's pretty awesome because it's, you know, collaborative partnership. Right. Uh, earlier this year, uh, we were out there with, with Merritt on one mm-hmm. of the vessels. Uh, we were uh, coordinating with some of the CCFRP folks and, and uh, teaching the crew members how to collect some of that data on one of the Southern California vessels. And we were able to get the new regional administrator for our West Coast region out, Jen Kwan. Uh, Janet Coit, the head of NOAA mm-hmm. Fisheries, she got out on the trip. So it was really cool. We got to, you know, show our leadership what the industry and our science centers and uh, we're up to. Yeah. And it's going to lead to a more informed uh, assessment of these stocks. And anytime we have, you know, more data, a clear picture of the stock, uh, you know, better opportunity for harvest. Yeah. And one of those uh, one of those boats that was definitely participating was our good friend uh, Jamie Diamond on uh, the Stardust. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All those guys. I, I got I got to see I was picking up white sea bass heads once and all of a sudden I saw carcasses for coppers awesome. in the freezer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she kind of like spearheaded that effort. I would say yeah. like she was uh, a good, good, strong uh, proponent of, of that effort and probably kind of kicked that off. So really thankful for Jamie and uh, her participation in the process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, on that note, when it comes to say your job or I guess the the job of Noah and all that stuff and SAC and the sport boat uh, fleet and all that, how important or how critical it is, is it to have participating from those guys? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. We always want to hear feedback. Like that's how, you know, we know that we're doing things like properly, you know, are there fishing opportunities? We want to make sure, like, yeah, people are taking home enough fish, uh, take stuff home for dinner. It's yeah. neat. Um, we are working on a, a video to highlight sustainable recreational fishing, and some of those guys are, are going to be in it, including nice. including your executive director. So pretty oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. Yeah. You know he says he has a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did great. He was a great interviewer. Uh, <laughs> Um, well, okay. So kind of on that note, we had talked a little bit about the Quillback and the coppers and all that. Are you, mm-hmm. are you, because Quillback's really kind of more primarily Northern California, mm-hmm. um, is that, are you familiar or with yeah, that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our region is broken up. Like I mentioned, we have fisheries management plans. Mm-hmm. And so we have branches that are, you know, specific to that particular plan. So I'm kind of in like a, a catch all branch. Mm-hmm. operations and policy but there is a, a ground fish branch and so i communicate with them regularly and so you know i like to get feedback from the fishing community and then i'll take that to the ground fish branch chiefs or the branch chiefs mm-hmm. uh, our regional leadership our um, assistant regional administrator to how do you get feedback it's just through surveys or, or something like that yeah calling people we'll, we'll hold a like stakeholder workshops mm-hmm. you know it's been a little while with, with covid we we're doing some more before then but uh, in-person uh, meeting opportunities. So keep an uh, eye out for, for some of those coming up. With COVID and all that stuff and everything be virtual and, and, you know, Zoom meetings and everything, how has that affected participation on the stakeholder level? Yeah, it, I, I think the in-person meetings are just a lot more, like, productive. It's just easier mm-hmm. to have conversations. And, you know, you can kind of have, like, side chats. Um, right. Whereas on the, the video calls, it's just one one person talking yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
not to 